0: Welcome to GradeAMovies.com. That's the podcast. My name's Larry Lannan. I do film reviews on my news blog, which is LarryInFishers.com. If you look under the Arts and Fishers podcast, that's where I place my film reviews in podcast form. But the two A's in Grade A are Adam and Alec. First, Adam Austin. Adam, welcome. Great to have you back again.
1: Good to see you, Larry.
0: And uh, the other A would be Alec Toombs. Alec, welcome again. It's uh, glad to be back uh, talking about films again.
2: Howdy, Larry. Good to see you.
0: And we're bringing a special guest in this week, uh, Sam Bollinger. Sam has a special interest in Godzilla and some of that whole genre of films. So, Sam, thanks for joining us. We're looking forward to talking to you.
3: Awesome. Very happy to be here, guys.
0: And by the way, I'm going to start the podcast out by just talking about a changing of the guard in Carmel and the restaurant scene. You know, Adam and I started Hamilton County Goes to the Movie several years ago. And every week I would uh, truck my equipment over to Donatello's and and, uh, Adam and I would always uh, record our podcast there. We had a lot of terrific guests for about a year and a half when we did it every week kind of backed off because both of us were getting busier. Now that Donatello's is closed, I mean, my wife and I always loved to have dinner there, even though it was a bit of a hike uh, for us from Fishers. So I just want to congratulate you, Adam, and your parents on 10 years of, of wonderful restaurant experiences at your restaurant. All things have to come to an end, and I know that your parents are re- looking forward to retirement and that you're looking for to your next gig. So just wanted to say, you know, thanks for all the memories to Donatello's.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's not easy. Uh, the restaurant industry. We probably could have kept going actually with uh, people getting vaccinated and the weather getting warmer. Our sales numbers were just going up. And in fact, you, I think you saw when you were there the last, uh, you came in one of the last week that we were open. We were quite busy of people who were, wanted to see us one last time, but it really starts to take a toll on you uh, mentally and physically. It's a very physical job. And uh, I will add this and it was and it's kind of funny, but it's true. So my parents work with me together, and uh, it's not easy for a married couple to work together. So they will probably be much happier uh, to not work together all the time. Uh, they don't have to rush to get another job. I'm sure they'll do something. They're always doing busy, and the same for me. So none of us financially are going to have to rush into anything, but uh, it's we'll miss it. But we're also a little bit relieved because uh, it is a hard industry.
0: Yeah, restaurant business is a tough business, and I would agree with that. I know a lot of people, other people who are in it. But it's funny you mentioned that because the night that Jane and I and my uh, daughter and, and son-in-law all came to have dinner, that uh, right after you made the announcement you were closing, mm-hmm. it was your mom. Was there, and she was just telling me about all the things she's thinking about doing. So, I, I it, they're all, but I'm sure your dad, yourself, and your mom are all looking to that next step, and nobody's in a hurry. But he, she is looking forward to seeing more of her grandkids, who, of course, your daughter is here in town, but other grandkids live out of town, so they're looking forward to spending some time with them. So, after uh, now that we've got that out of the way, and again, yeah, the, the good memories of Ambley County goes to the movies. You know, Adam, we had some terrific guests on that program i i I thought back you know remember ted green talking about the Mm -hmm. film he did uh i was thinking about uh about the fellow who owns the dance studio across the street at the very end he had been involved in the halftime show for the super bowl at the very end you asked him if he taught twerking and he just looked at you and said nobody should do that (laughs) i thought that was hilarious
1: well i like how some of the people have gone on to do some really cool things too we had emmanuel carter as a guest who was becoming like an extra in some movies here and there. And now he's the host of a children's show on Noggin, which is kind of another channel of Nickelodeon. It's like they're Nickelodeon Junior now. Uh, And it's a nationally uh, broadcast thing where he hosts this show for kids. And I showed it to my daughter, and she loved it. Well, so Emmanuel,
0: you just kind of figured Emmanuel was going to do well because he – you know, he this this guy is a ball of energy. I mean, he was just always energetic, and you knew he was going to be successful in whatever And he's whatever popping he
1: up did. in a lot of Discovery ID reenactments, too, which my dad loves. Oh, yeah. So if you're watching any murder <laughs> mysteries, he might be the you know one of the suspects or boyfriend or something in one of the episodes. Yeah,
0: well, my mom's a big fan of those. I, I may uh, pick it up there. Okay, gentlemen, let's get to the movies, uh, and we're going to start off with the film, that has probably broken records in the in the uh pandemic and post pandemic era it 's Godzilla vs Cog. last thing I saw was that internationally this film grossed one hundred and twenty eight million that was several days ago i 'm sure it 's gone up from there. This film has done very well okay in the United States but very well internationally because it 's one of those films. That's live action for the most part. The, the dialogue's not a big part of the film. So we've all been waiting for this film. It's one of those films that came out at the same time at the theaters as it came out on HBO Max. So let's start with Alec. Tell me, Alec, uh, you've seen the film? What do you think? I
2: have. Uh, I, I enjoy it quite a bit um, of those monster verse movies that Warner Brothers is making, which includes uh, the 2014 Gareth Evans Godzilla. Uh, Kong Skull Island that came out, I believe in 2017, Uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, which came out in 2019 and now Godzilla versus Kong. It's near the top of my, uh, my list. Uh, I might like Skull Island better, but I think it is one of the better movies in this franchise.
0: And what, uh, what impressed you about this film? Why did you, why do you give it such a high rating?
2: I just thought it was fun. I thought it was really entertaining. Um, Probably helped. I did see it in IMAX. Um, I was somewhat nervous seeing it in IMAX. A lot of the times going to the theaters these days, it's been pretty desolate. Not, not a lot of folks there. Uh, the night I went, every single seat that could be sold was sold. Hmm. Um, I, I was clinging my mask very close <laughs> to my face. Uh, I actually took my little brother. I'm a big brother in the Big Brothers uh, Big Sisters program. He loved the movie. He wanted to take his mask off at one point. And I was like, no, okay. not yet. Yeah, not, no sir. Not time yet. <laughs> But uh, oh, he loved it. it. It's it's very much a movie. He's he's twelve. It's a movie for twelve year old boys and the twelve year old boy inside us. So um, I I loved it.
0: Well, let me go to Sam Bollinger. here. This is right up your alley. This is your kind of film. Um, when you saw this film, what was your reaction?
3: As a uh, you know, a, a product of my upbringing, you know, I, I've loved all of these monster movies since I was a child. Um, you know, I mean, I I have a massive collection of the original Japanese ones. I mean, I've, I've got one he in the background just at all hours of the day. Um, <clears throat> so when Warner brothers took over and got the rights and they started this monster thing, you know, I, I was, I was excited to see what they would do. Um, you know, so going back to 2014, I thought, uh, you know, their first iteration of it was a fun, entertaining movie. I agree with Alec um, in regards to Kong Skull Island, in my opinion is probably the best in this series, um, you know, in, in terms of the next two, and even this new one, um, I, I kind of honestly, you know, I dropped my expectations a little bit just cause I know I'm such a fan. Um, but, you know, as campy as all these movies are, they're fun. You know, I, again, I completely agree with Alec. Um, it's fun. Two hours of entertainment, you know, I believe the storyline is a little predictable, Um, I wish they threw out a little bit more nods toward the originals. You know, they introduced some characters in the in the monster verse where they really had an opportunity to reference some of the original movies. And I was a bit disappointed with with that Um, upon watching it a second time. I really, uh, you know, kind of got over that initial knee-jerk reaction. And again, I mean, it's it's a great movie. You know, definitely worth a watch.
0: Now, when you say you have the original Godzilla, is that the original Japanese version dubbed into the one where they brought in Raymond Burr for some of the scenes?
3: Oh, I, I have uh, the original on DVD, and I have the the Raymond Burr one as well.
0: Okay, so you um, got you got but both. But again, were... you
3: know yeah. the the rivalry of Kong versus Godzilla. Yep. Yep, I've got both. Um, I enjoy both quite a bit. Um, It's been a while since I've watched them, but I do turn on the 1962 version of King Kong versus Godzilla quite often as it's the first, you know, Godzilla movie in color. Um, And it was a good opportunity back then to release, you know, or to to provide even more exposure for Godzilla here in the United States. Um, And, you know, one thing I worry about with this, worry is not the right word. I think we're going to see a lot more Kong moving forward than we really ever have, um, which can be a good thing, um, but I'm a, I'm a fan of the true King uh, and that is Godzilla.
0: Okay. Uh, let me, if you're, if you've got both versions like the original Japanese and the Raymond bird, that that's the test. You're you are a real Godzilla fan. Let me go to Adam Austin. You've seen this film as well. Uh, weigh in on this.
1: I'm more of a Kong guy than a Godzilla guy. I think there's a little more humanity with Kong, a little more emotion with the face. Um, I'm one of the few people that actually like the Peter Jackson, well, maybe not few, but the Peter Jackson King Kong, which I thought was great, despite the fact that, um, you know, you might need to shave your face by the, the end of seeing it. It's like, what, four hours long? It's And you don't, you don't even get to the island until like an hour and a half. So it's still pretty good, though. And they had breakthrough special effects. I like the old, the old was it 30s mm-hmm. King Kong? Uh, it's kind of uh, crazy to think that those special effects, which may look cheesy nowadays, they were breakthrough special effects at the time. And people didn't know how they figured it out. People were getting scared in the theater during that original King Kong. And if you watch it with an appreciation of film history, it does actually hold up. It's not a bad film to watch nowadays. Some of the older films that you watch only for historical perspective. You're like, all right, I don't really enjoy this, but I'm learning how the films are made. I kind of enjoy still the old King Kong. It's still fun to watch. And I really liked uh, Kong Skull Island. I thought they did a great job of not only making King Kong likable, but they had good human characters, which has always been the flaw in any Godzilla or King Kong movie is that you really didn't care about any of the humans or what they were doing. In Kong Skull Island, which was directed by Jordan Boyd Roberts, who did a great job with uh, a small indie flick called Kings of Summer, um, you know Samuel Jackson, John C. Riley, a couple of the guys from that movie straight out of Compton were in it too. It was great. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I didn't like Godzilla versus Kong as much as Kong Skull Island, uh, partly because I didn't care at all about the human characters. Now the actors. They didn't do anything wrong. They were fine. And the material and the lines they were given, they didn't make me sigh or groan with, oh, God, that was a corny line. It was serviceable. It was fine. It moved the plot along. It didn't add anything. But I also don't think it detracted anything. The human scenes were there to get us logically to the point of these two titans fighting. And when they do fight, the special effects are great. I would recommend, I know you can stream this on HBO Max, get your biggest TV in your house with your surround sound system if you don't want to go to a movie theater. You will enjoy it much more than if you're watching it on your phone with headphones on uh, on a subway train. Uh, You've got to watch this in a big screen to really enjoy it. Don't expect great plot, Oscar-worthy acting, and I think you'll have a good time.
0: I'm, you, t- you took the words out of my mouth. Uh, I, my favorite Kong film is still the original Kong film from the 30s. And, and Adam is exactly right. You know, I grew up, uh, Channel 4 was the independent TV station in Indianapolis and I grew up as a kid. My brother and I would love to watch science fiction movies on Friday and Saturday nights. And they would run King Kong all the time. And I've had the same thought you just expressed. What were those theater goers in the '30s who had never seen special effects like that? Okay, what were they thinking? There, there were some people running out of the theater, thought Kong was going to come right out of the screen on them. Uh, he, on top of that uh, uh, Empire State Building, was a new special effect that uh, moviegoers had not seen. The, what I liked about the original Kong film is that there was a great story. The screenplay was written very well, and I loved the story. And uh, you humanize Kong a little bit. In this film, to getting to, to the one we're talking about today, I, I it seems like I always have the job of being Debbie Downer when we're talking about films. I have to give this one a D plus, and I do so sadly. And it's not because the special effects weren't good; they were great. They, they're I actually think there were a few surprises in this film. I liked the way they use sign language. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Uh, and I also thought that th- they introduced something different toward the end. I won't spoil too much for you, but there is uh, an aspect of the whole uh, uh, battle between Godzilla and Kong that comes in at the end that I thought was an interesting plot twist. The problem is they had some great actors, and I think to the extent they had any any dialogue, it was well done, but the story was almost all about the monsters all the time. And, and I think they needed a little more fleshing out of the story. I understand that that's where the, the focus was, that the producers and the director wanted to to highlight these monsters. But it got to the point where I think we lost a little something where the story could have been more interesting. I have one question, though, that I, I have always asked when I see a film like this. Why is it that the uh, the gadfly a uh, blogger and uh, podcaster always seems to be right. <laughs> the conspiracy theorists that nobody pays any attention, even the scientist who thinks he's got it figured out, can't even sell his books because the other people in the science community have shunned him. But of course he's the one that's right. I always thought that was interesting. And, that,
1: that's, to- that's, and that's always true in real life. If you get on <laughs> Facebook or the internet and you see these bloggers, uh, you
2: know, these Q types, they're always okay. I'm not even getting into that. You got to trust the guy in the tinfoil hat, I think, is what Adam's saying right now.
0: Well, I'm going to talk a little later about an HBO documentary about QAnon, so save that. We actually will talk about that a little later.
2: So, Larry,
1: um, who do you think this movie's for, though? I mean, what do you think the audience is? The I
0: mean, I think the audience are people who like science fiction and like monster films. And and I say, yeah, you gave them the kind of meat and potatoes they wanted. But I think even the best, to me, the best monster films have a human story or they humanize the monsters. Remember how Godzilla, I mean, King Kong had the history going back to the 30s. But Godzilla really came out of the fact that Japan is the only nation in the world to ever be attacked by nuclear weapons. And of course, that was the whole original story of how Godzilla was was became you know a, a problem or a threat was because you know mankind dared to wrest him from his resting place, and it was the nuclear weapons that did that and I think that was really catering to the Japanese public. I'm sure so the Jap- Japanese filmmakers never thought it would have the worldwide uh, uh, you know popularity that it had
1: So the Godzilla interpretation with nuclear war that's very popularized and obviously pretty obvious. There's always, I heard two, uh, well thought out, uh, kind of interpretations of the meaning behind original King Kong or even the Peter Jackson one. One, they thought it was a man destroying nature. You know, you come into this skull Island, you have these animals, they just see it as profit and greed and they capture it and take it out. So there's that interpretation that a lot of people have. And then some people almost took it as a, uh, hate to say it, almost a racist movie because you have this giant ape grabbing a white woman as a, you know, token or a gift and running away with her. So in the 30s, that's that's possible. That could have been a hidden meaning. So there are different people trying to analyze it. And you're right. Godzilla has the nuclear themes. Um, We didn't get any of that deep analysis with Kong versus Godzilla, but I think we got a lot of fun.
0: Well no and if if what you want to see are battles between <laughs> really neat battles between the monsters you've got that if that's all you're looking for, God bless you, you have that. if you're looking for any kind of story to pull it together, that's a little loose and and loosey goosey if you want to ask me. So I think the consensus is i the i'm the only one that gives it a lesson passing grade i'll give it a d plus only because I thought the special effects were were very good. Uh, the actors really never had a chance to act The screenplay wasn't the center of the film that I think was I think Adam's right that was the intention. so uh we're saying all three of you recommend it, I don't and I, I I assume that's the consensus at this moment. The consensus is you guys liked it and and i'm the the one Debbie downer in the group. Any other comments before we move on?
3: Yeah, I'd I'd love to say something real quick. Um, a quick shout out to the Tibbs Drive-In Movie Theater. Last weekend they were doing a double bill of the uh, the new Godzilla versus Kong, followed by the original 1933 King Kong flick. So I know my parents got down there and really enjoyed their evening. Um, you know, to go back to you know the target audience for this particular movie. You know, as as such a fan of these monsters as I am, you know, I mean it had a lot in there for me. So obviously I will pick it apart a little more than, you know, your average viewer. Um, But I think they are doing a pretty good job at trying to introduce these, you know, characters who, for the most part, they've been around since the 30s, 50s. Um, You know, even while introducing some brand new ones, giving some nods to the originals as well. Um, Again, I I give it probably a C plus, B minus. It's a lot of fun, great effects. Um, You know, I I just wish the storyline wasn't so... Um, you know, it, it gets a little predictable, but, you know, maybe I feel that way because I've, I've watched all of these movies for my entire life.
0: Okay. Sam, appreciate your comments. Anything else before we move on? Okay. I'm oh, sure. Good. Adam, what, go
2: ahead. I'll, I'll, go, out. I'll go first. Um, there was one issue I wanted to bring up. Adam said he didn't care about any of the humans in the movie. I, I really enjoyed uh, the, the little girl, Kaylee Hoddle in the movie. I felt like she and Kong the emotional crux of the movie. And the movie is very biased towards Kong, which is probably perhaps while why I enjoy it more than Sam. And I agree with Adam. I'm more of a Kong guy as well. I, I dig pretty much every King Kong movie. Um and this is more a Kong movie than it is a Godzilla movie, in my opinion. Um other than John C. Riley and Skull Island, I think the actors in this movie registered more than any of the other actors had in previous installments in the monster verse. And a lot of that I think is through Kaylee Hoddle and her relationship with Bob.
0: Okay. Adam, your I, thoughts.
1: I think, and you mentioned John C. Riley, this was really more of a sequel to Godzilla King of the monsters than it was a sequel to Kong skull Island. There really wasn't a lot of references to Kong skull Island. In fact, even continuity wise, in Kong Skull Island, you know, he was like the original 30s King Kong where he could climb a skyscraper. Fast forward, you know, uh, 40, 50 years, however long has passed, and now he's the size of a skyscraper. They say <laughs> they said in the original that Kong was skill- still growing, but they needed to get him bigger because he needed to be the same size as Godzilla or else it wouldn't have been a fair fight. Um, on those thoughts, I would have loved to see John C. Riley come back as a 90, 100-year-old version of his character in Kong Skull Island. How great would that have been if he was back and he's 100 years old and he's like, I remember Kong from back in the day. That would have been
3: awesome. So
2: long as you're uh, a Cubs fan and not an Indians fan. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say,
3: he would, have been, he would have been wearing his, uh, you know, 2016 World Series gear right there. So. <laughs> um,
1: I also think uh, a few other thoughts. One, when I mentioned the, the racial things of the 30s King Kong, I wasn't saying that Kong is a racist movie. I just bring it up that some people have had that o- opinion. Yeah, um, and I, I think,
0: that's because in the '30s, those were the things that just weren't talked about in film. Yeah. Uh, there were some black films for black neighborhoods, but and you still see them uh, on uh, Turner Classic Films and other. Uh, venues, but they, some of them were very good films, but in the mainstream films race just wasn't discussed. If there was yeah. an African-American character, it was very very much a sporting, if at all. So, yeah. and, no, I, and think, it, I think it does represent race as it stood in the 1930s. Yeah,
1: and if, it, and if that's an interpretation I really only apply that to the 30s version, not to the Peter Jackson or the Skull Island. Uh, we say, I know I like when I say I like the King Kong movies let me clarify this. I like the 30s version. I like the Peter Jackson version. I like Skull Island. I am not a fan of the Rankin and Bass Son of Kong. If anyone has seen that, it's a sequel to King Kong where you the had the guy
2: up, the Linda Hamilton one from the eighties. Yeah, I think it was even earlier than that. It was literally, yeah, there was the one from the seventies with Jeff Bridges and uh Jessica mm-hmm. Lang. And that oh, was that, deep, that one, deep. I deep
1: actually deep. wasn't big on that one either. Yeah. That right. one was the it was trying to be the next Jaws and it made money, but it wasn't great. And they did a sequel, you're right. There was one, like I think in the 60s, it was called Son of Kong, and it was stop motion. And it was the same people who did Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Santa Claus is Coming to Down, Rankin and Bass, the Davy and Goliath guys. So you had King Kong, Google it, with these big eyes. He looked like the the, uh, abominable snowman in uh, one of those old movies. And it, it was not the King Kong special effects that I'm looking for.
0: Well, if there's a dollar to be made, You know there are people willing to cheaply produce about anything. You know, it's funny you mentioned that uh, 70s version. That really kind of brought back the, the King Kong we knew. And it was Dino De Laurentiis who brought Kong back. And I I knew that film wasn't going to be a very big film. Before it was released, uh, De Laurentiis was on TV and everywhere else he could go, saying that uh, he thought that Kong should be nominated for Best Actor. So he was clearly looking for some cheap publicity because the film... Just wasn't. I agree, wasn't that good. All right, we're gonna cool. go. We're gonna go to uh, Adam and Alec uh, and talk about uh, films that they've seen lately. So let me start with Adam. Uh, you've been filing some reviews with GreatAMovies and with uh, thefilmyapp.com. dot com. So talk about what you've seen lately and what you think of it.
1: I haven't seen too many new things recently. I did file a review that I saw uh, before it dropped. Thunder Force, uh, a new Melissa McCarthy Octavia Spencer movie. Uh, I know Larry is a big fan of Octavia Spencer. He says that every movie that she's in is better for her being in it. Larry, this might not be the one <laughs> for you though. I know you're an Octavia fan, uh, but uh, you would be—you watch that movie, you'd be surprised that Oscar winner would be applied to her name. And and Melissa McCarthy is a two-time Oscar nominee as well. So I mean, you could actually put that for. Most of the cast and even uh, Oscar winner Melissa Leo shows up in there too. It is another Melissa McCarthy comedy. You know, if you like Melissa McCarthy comedies uh, to me, she's a much funnier actress in films directed by Paul Feig, who did Bridesmaids, Ghostbusters, the heat and uh, spy. Those films are actually pretty enjoyable. This is one directed by her husband, Ben Falcone. Uh, I don't want to tell her to make career decisions based on who she's married to, but uh, he hasn't had the best record for the movies that she's been in, and that's shown by the critical score on Rotten Tomatoes. They're usually 30% or lower for the ones that he directed, but here's why he keeps working and she keeps working. The movies make money. Even the worst movies, like Tammy, which was terrible, uh, cost $20 million. Made a hundred million at the box office. Basically, it's the Adam Sandler formula make a, a movie inexpensive, have a trailer that has all the best jokes in it. You need five good jokes. That's it. Five jokes that you could fit into a trailer. And then, boom, there you go, a hundred million dollars. So that's the formula. Uh, there is one funny part of this movie Jason Bateman plays a villain with lobster hands, and it's so stupid that you kind of laugh, but it's not enough to really recommend the movie. Except if you already have a Netflix subscription, you aren't paying anything extra. Maybe you put it on the background while you fold laundry. That's Is there the best much
2: chance after three or four beers. I might enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, you might, I mostly I just want to watch it. it for Bateman and his lobster hands. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's oh,
1: now, now, now
0: Adam. I, I read your review and what I took from that. Is that you're basically saying Melissa McCarthy should never work with her husband again?
1: They should get a divorce. They should. I mean, I don't know if they have a happy marriage. They they have kids. Sorry, honey. Uh, you know, if he made better movies, then mommy and daddy can stay together. <laughs> um, but
3: um, <laughs> no, yeah. I said that.
1: I said the movie was one that you'd find in the DVD bargain bin but because it's on Netflix, it won't be there. That's the only reason it's not in that bargain bin is it's Netflix only.
0: Well, you know, you know, Netflix probably paid plenty for it because as you said, they're going to get an audience that seems to always happen. Anything else you want to talk about?
1: Uh, I watched some old Kurosawa movies. I enjoyed that. I hadn't seen those before. That's, those I, are on HBO max. They got a good library of the old samurai movies there.
0: I just, uh, watched, uh, the Godfather part one and two. And just every time I look at that, just, uh, Reminds me what a masterpiece of filmmaking those two films were. Let's go to Alec Toome. You've been uh, doing some reviews, writing up some reviews. Tell us what you've seen and what you think of the
2: films. Sure. I published a review this morning for a new movie. It's playing in theaters called Voyagers. It's a science fiction movie uh, written and directed by Neil Berger, who uh, folks may remember as the filmmaker behind The Illusionist, the uh, Edward Norton magician movie, as well as uh, Limitless a movie with Bradley Cooper from about 10 years ago where he took a pill that made him super smart. Uh, This movie takes place in the uh, early 2070s. Um, Children are bioengineered in laboratories uh, using the basic uh, framework of folks who are best and brightest. They're, They're using scientists and writers and making children to send into space to uh, recolonize and uh, continue humanity. Um, We fast forward 10 years and uh, see these kids on the space station. They've grown up. Um, They are overseen by a paternal figure played by Colin Farrell. And um, the scientists on the ship are are drugging the children so they don't have um, sexual impulses or anger or things of this sort making them very docile. Um, Two of the boys on the ship discover this. Uh, They're played by Ty Sheridan and Finn Whitehead, who you may remember from Dunkirk. Uh, They stop taking the drug and uh, suddenly become attracted to uh, their shipmate, played by Lily Rose Depp, daughter of Johnny Depp. And the movie kind of becomes a space-bound Lord of the Flies from there. Uh, Kind of mixed with the movie Passengers – Kind of a crappy movie from about five years ago with Chris Pratt and uh, Jennifer Lawrence. I liked the movie. Um, I thought it was pretty well made. I wish they'd gone a little further with some of these things. Uh, They want the movie to be sensationalistic, but it's not sensationalistic enough for my tastes.
0: Okay. Anything else you've seen you want to mention before we move on?
2: I didn't write a uh, full review of it. I just wrote a little blurb, but the movie Nobody is currently playing in theaters. It's an action movie starring uh, Bob Odenkirk, uh, who's best known for Mr. Show, an HBO show from about 25 years ago, actually probably longer than that at this point, and uh, also as Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Uh, a lot of the creatives behind the John Wick movies are behind this, and uh, it is essentially a John Wick movie starring Bob Odenkirk. And he does the action really well. I think I heard he trained for uh, two years. Really fun, really funny. Lots of cool action. In addition to Bob Odenkirk, uh, Connie Nielsen is in the movie. Christopher Lloyd is in the movie. And uh, RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan is in the movie. Lots of fun.
0: (laughs) Okay, then uh, let's move on to Sam. I know you're raring to go. Uh, Tell us what you've seen lately and what you think of those films.
3: Well, so I've, uh, you know, I I travel. Uh, probably four or five days a week uh, for a living. So I I find myself in a lot of hotels where, you know, maybe there's a, uh, you know, pixelated TV, but I get HBO. So, you know, several evenings, it's, let's, we'll just roll with what's on. So recently I sat down in a hotel in Westlake, Ohio, and I found myself watching um, the house with a clock in its walls, the Jack Black film from a couple of years ago. Um, you know, I, I, am I'm 28 years old and I've kind of stayed away from some movies more meant for younger audiences, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give that movie some serious credit. It, it kept me going, um, quite enjoyed the film. Um, you know, other than that, I'm really just, uh, like I said, knocking out some, uh, quick comedies left and right, um, comparing, you know, what I rate some films on Letterboxd to what Alec has rated. So we always have a nice little banter there. So we're going to have to uh, eventually talk about his half-star rating for Strange Wilderness, which is one of my uh, all-time favorites. But uh, we can get into that later, Alec.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I'll save that for the end here. Uh, let me just talk about three films, that he, and, and uh, Sam just talked about HBO. I, I really enjoy most of their documentary films. I saw three of them lately, and I can only recommend one. So let me go uh, just go over all three of them. The first film that I saw, and and, you know, as you probably know, HBO does this a couple of different ways. HBO uh, sometimes will uh, do a series of uh, like a six or seven episode series. Sometimes it's just one film. Well, this is now, this is one film. It's called The Day Sports Stood Still. The Day Sports Stood Still, I thought was going to be about the, the COVID situation, when everything closed down, there were no sports. All the TV networks were playing Super Bowls and World Series and NBA championships from years ago, just trying to find something to to fill up the weekend time. Particularly ESPN was absolutely starving. They were doing some some other kind of programming. but So I thought the day sports stood still, about an hour and a half documentary, would be about that. It started out that way, and then the director moved into what happened with race relations after the death of George Floyd and tried to kind of pivot toward that, which I think was a different discussion. So um, I liked the film in one way, and that I appreciate the fact that the director wanted to take all this on. It all happened about in the same space of time. But what I was disappointed in is that this director probably could have used an episodic version more time to take in both the COVID situation and the racial issues that both impacted uh, sports, particularly professional sports during that time. So uh, sadly, it's it's probably not one I could recommend because I think it took on too much. Great possibilities for a film. I was looking forward to seeing it, but it, it let me down in the end. Now, I promised you I was going to talk about QAnon, and HBO recently did a six episode series, one hour each, called uh Q Into the Storm. So I I what I wanted to know was a little more about Q, what people know about it, how Q has impacted politics, people who are advocates of it who are followers of this whole QAnon thing. You got a little bit of that. But what this um, this particular gentleman as uh, who directed this, and he's on camera quite a bit uh he traveled the world, he goes to Hong Kong, he goes to Manila in the Philippines and all over the country, looking for people who are running these message boards where q is is posting you know, and he's trying to figure out who is q that really seems to be the end result, so he's some of the characters that are in here are pretty interesting characters. Uh, as far as the people running these message boards, the technology behind these people who were promoting QAnon, so you get—I don't—I found it to be this was one of those situations. They could have had an hour and a half, and it would have been enough for me. Instead the of the funny six, one scary. Uh, it was strange. Okay. <laughs> and let me t- and let okay. me let me tell you why. Because you, lo- you can- it kind of goes all over the place. They tell all these personal stories. He feels sorry for this one fellow who who's severely disabled and ran one. He actually helped him get back to the United States, lend him some money. He felt so sorry for him. The director did. He kind of you know gets to know these people. Well, in the final episode, he basically makes an argument as to who QAnon is. And if QAnon is this guy... It's not who you think. It's not somebody in the military. It's not somebody high up in the CIA. It's this guy who basically (laughs) runs some message board and doesn't. That's why I found it a bit on the strange side. And the problem was the fellow that he says he thinks is QAnon. If you watch all six episodes, this guy's in every episode, one way or the other, and he constantly contradicts himself. So it's like, I don't really know how you can reach the conclusion this fellow you think is QAnon is because he supposedly slipped up in something he said in an interview when really he probably just was contradicting himself as he had done before. So he may or may not be QAnon. I won't give away everything, but uh, I'll, I'll say that much. That uh, It was a disappointment. I wanted to learn more about it, maybe the social aspects of it, why people uh, – buy into this there was a little of that but with six one-hour episodes you think he would have gotten into that more instead he delves into the lives of these people on these message boards and it's uh it just i would use the word boring at times and they try to make the big revelation at the end it just didn't hit me as as something that uh, is believable
1: conspiracy think- theories are get they get tiresome after where they're funny for like 20 seconds and then when someone keeps talking about it for minutes and minutes you're like all right right, i got you something else Mm -hmm. like that did anyone see room 237 it's the documentary where it's a bunch of conspiracy theories about the shining and how kubrick faked the moon landing and so and i'm a huge fan of the shining the book and the movie so i thought oh this this is great it's a documentary on one of my all-time favorite movies and i i couldn't finish it i was like all right all right this is uh i'm just like uh-huh.
0: i think a lot of people who looked at that said why am i wasting my time with this so yeah that that That's didn't work honest. but i do I have def- I'm, sorry, oh, I'm sorry you got something same go ahead bud
3: i, I definitely caught some of that uh um, you know a couple episodes bits and pieces of it of that q docuseries on hbo while sitting in hotels and you know like you said it was a uh, boring was kind of the way it came off to me. So no, I agree with you.
0: Yeah. I wish it it had a potential to be a great one. That's why I watched it and I kept waiting. Okay. Let's get, let's move on here. Let's get to something. Now the third one is the one I think is the best of them all. And this is a case where the director did not shoot any of the film or a video that was used. Hannah Olson directed this. It's called the last cruise. It was a cruise ship that uh, got caught up in coronavirus as it was uh, as it was see, as it was beginning to dock i believe they were in japan if i remember right it could be wrong but this this cruise ship uh, started having an outbreak of coronavirus as cor- coronavirus was spreading throughout the world you know when they first sailed it was nothing then when they got back it was it was everything all the director used were were videos taken by um the people who were there in other words uh they were he she just collected all of the cell phone videos she could find from the crew and the passengers and uh, interspersed a few tv news reports to kind of give some context as to what was going on you know all i can say is this film this is like a Steve, stephen king novel but it's real and that's it's scary this is genuinely scary in my view. So the la- it's only 40 minutes long and it still had a major impact on me. It also uh, showed a few other things people wouldn't necessarily know, like the, the, the sort of life that's lived by the crew members. They, they have very small, difficult places to stay, the crew members on these cruise ships. Most of them are from third world countries and just they're trying to earned some money for their families wherever they, the, Indonesia was one nation where a lot of these people came from. And at the very end, uh, nations around the world, including the United States and others, intervened with the governments uh, that where, where the, government where, where the uh, ship was docked and got the passengers off. But these Indonesian crew members, you know, were being stuck. They were stuck on this, this ship and they couldn't get off. So finally they've recorded a video on one of their phones and smuggled it out somehow. It was difficult for them to do it. And the president of Indonesia, or prime minister or whatever, uh, saw it, and they immediately rescued those people. It's like, you know, it's just one of those situations where we're just looking, and if if you uh, edit it the right way, you can come up with a very scary film. I found The Last Cruise to be genuinely scary. Hannah Olson uh, deserves tremendous credit for taking a 40 minute documentary and making it something very compelling. So I would recommend it if you have HBO. That's what I have. Those are my there three are you, documentaries. Did
1: you ever watch my favorite HBO documentary that I keep talking about? Class Action Park, the one about the terrible theme park.
2: Oh, really? <laughs> I really want to do a double bill of that and Action Point, which I guess was the fictionalized account yeah. of it. No, of no, class Mac Action was.
1: Park is really fun and it's all true. I think Larry would like it. You should watch it and report back.
0: No, this, this was HBO or Netflix.
1: HBO max. It's it's on on HBO. HBO Max. Max. Okay.
0: Everything's on HBO max. So yeah, we can always find it there.
1: It's Uh, one of those true stories that is so unbelievable. You're like, this couldn't have been true. And then you see the footage and you're like, Whoa, this is true.
0: (laughs) Well, let me just ask, kind of go round Robin on this one. uh, Before we wrap it up, uh, I've just got my second, uh, Moderna vaccination yesterday. I'll be fully vaccinated on April 23rd. More and more people are becoming vaccinated. More and more people are going to feel more comfortable going to a movie theater. You may still have to wear your mask, but at least the fear of getting coronavirus will be reduced. uh, So... How will the high vaccination rate, the continuing vaccinations, even down to age 16 and may go lower than that here in the near future? Let me ask uh, Let me ask Sam to start with this one. Do you think the, the film industry is now going to finally get people back into the seats of the movie theaters?
3: I think uh, there's certainly going to be an upswing in it. Um, I know, you know, living here in Lansing, Michigan, we've had it a little bit differently than you guys have south of me. Um, You know, our our cases are unfortunately rising um, as some of these variants have shown up. But we are certainly getting vaccinations out there pretty quickly. Um, I know the city of Grand Rapids has been doing a great job. Um, I just got myself on the list. So I'm just waiting on that call to walk across the street to my local Meijer and uh, we should be good to go. But I know uh, we've had some, you know, theaters closed in our area. Um, but a shout out, you know, I, I wish I knew the guy's name off the top of my head, but a local comedian, um, actually bought a property right near us and is going to turn it into a drive through movie theater, um, with plans on eventually, you know, taking, you know, whatever we can do as a community to get that thing up and running, um, add some more business to one of these dilapidated malls in the area. So I, I'm excited. I'll, I'll drive across the street and go, you know, watch whatever sitting in my car with my wife, we'll be good to go.
0: You know, I, I so much loved drive-in films. You know, I, I grew up with drive-ins and went to them all the time. Loved drive-in theaters. And the only one in the area is the Tibbs. That's a long way from where I live. So it's, a, you know, if you, and plus they don't start the film still pretty late. It's kind of hard for an old guy like me to, to drive home in the middle of the night. But uh, I really do miss the drive-in movies. And uh, it's really nice to know that you're getting creative uh, there in Lansing uh i think we've lost alec for the moment so let me ask oh, there he is okay you had your head down i was wondering if you left us there make taking no. notes being studious there i don't know what you're doing but tell me uh are people ready to to get back into the movie theater what's your view
2: if my screening of kong or godzilla versus kong is in any indication you bet you people are ready to go back i wish they'd stay home so i could go to the movies and be there by myself uh and get some distance. But uh, It was actually fun seeing a a lively, raucous movie with a big crowd. There were young kids there who were pumped. I had a conversation with a kid, I think he was probably 11 or 12 after the movie, who was talking with my little brother. And they were both fired up, talking about different monsters. So, I mean, it's good. We're we're keeping our distance. We're trying to be safe. We're wearing our masks. But uh, I think people are ready to get back to living. And uh, hopefully uh, we can do it safely.
0: You know, Adam, I'm beginning to wonder uh, just myself, how will the films do that are not big, raucous, special effects films? They, I'm, I've got to believe that they're still going to be popular in the movie theater.
1: Yeah, I, I think that it's hard because so you need something that is available only in theaters. Uh, I'm actually surprised that Kong, uh, Godzilla versus Kong did so well, because if you had a HBO Max subscription, you could watch it for at home. Uh, without any additional costs, so I wondered how if that wasn't the case and it wasn't available on HBO Max, it probably would have done even better. I probably would have gone to the theater uh, because that would have been the only way to see it, and I would have wanted to see it sooner as opposed to waiting, you know, three six months from now. Um, we are in that case where a lot of times, you know, I wasn't I saw and I don't know if we talked about this The Father recently, and I know Alec talked about that. Uh, it's an Oscar nominated film that was great. And I was going to go to the theaters to see it. But then I saw that for 20 bucks I could rent it on uh, Amazon Video. Now, $20 is steep for a rental, but it's $10 for a ticket. And I could watch it at home anytime I want. I don't have to worry about which movie times are available. I don't have to buy popcorn. I could pop my own. I don't have to worry about. I can pause it. So there are some benefits there.
2: You don't have to wear pants if you don't want to. <laughs> well, I
1: mean, I don't wear pants at the theater anyway.
0: <laughs> okay, the you secrets know. are – your secret's safe with us, Adam. That's all right. You
2: Fred Willard, and Adam all go into a movie. But, you know,
1: I, it is hard for someone like me where I like to go to that, like, noon showing of a movie. And Alec used to be that way too, but when they had the options, Alec would go to, like, a 10 a.m. showing of a movie – Sometimes those options really are not available right now as the movie theaters have scaled back. So really it's five, six, 7. PM. You got to take a dinner night out to go do it. Now. Um, I will say one thing that was frustrating. I went on Amazon prime to try to see if there were any good movies that I could rent at home. They were in theaters and it was nobody The Bob Odenkirk movie that Alec mentioned. And it said exclusive, uh, sneak peek. And it said rental zero dollars. And I was like, wow, is this like an extra benefit for being a prime member? So I clicked rent, got it, it was three minutes long. <laughs> it was well, basically a trailer for the movie.
2: Uh,
1: this, this is a trick welcome. right here.
0: What'd you say, Alec? I'm sorry. You're welcome.
1: I know. <laughs> but I will say this, everybody, um, I get vaccinated. Um, because this vaccine, I've talked to experts, I've talked to people who've had it. The side effects are very minimal. Um, Statistically, if you get vaccinated, uh, the Johnson & Johnson, the one-shot one is good. But if you get the two-shot one, the 95%, 95% is better than any vaccine ever created in the history of medicine. And a 5% chance that you get the virus, that's 5% just getting it. But if you get it, it is a mild, mild flu. It is... unlikely that you it would you would you they said someone did a statistic the odds of you contracting COVID-19 and dying from it after being vaccinated you are three times more likely to be struck by lightning yeah so it's worth it people we can get back to real life and adding to that point if enough people get vaccinated I do think we're going to see a lot of restrictions get lifted because that vaccine is effective but we got to get people vaccinated for this to work.
0: Yeah, and I feel sorry for for the people in Michigan. My daughter used to live there, and I'm sure people like Sam, because I've, I've been reading all about what's happening in Michigan. It's really sad what's happening there, and it's the variants that have caused the problem. But I'm no epidemiologist. I read them, and I listen to them, and they are very clear. Get the vaccine. Now, I've had COVID, and I got it about as badly as you could get it without going to the hospital. Trust me, I've, I'm in my second shot, and, yeah, I don't feel great today, But it's nothing like having COVID. It's nothing like having to go to the hospital. I'll be over this tomorrow. So just, you know, I know it's everybody's personal decision at this point, but I would, my recommendation based on all the experts, get your shot. And hey, then you can go to the movie theater, right? I want to thank everybody for coming. Uh, Sam Bollinger, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate your perspective. Alec and Adam, you can see their reviews on gradeamovies.com and also at TheFilmYap.com, along with a number of other great reviewers. Uh, you can read my reviews at uh, com. On the very top, you'll see several Arts and Fishers podcasts. I do mine on the podcast platform, and uh, I hopefully will have some up here in the near future. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank, uh, thanks for uh, being a part of this. We we would appreciate it if you would just maybe add a comment. If you're on a platform where you can uh, comment on this or give it a rating, we would always appreciate that kind of feedback or just let other people know and send a link. And and, uh, we would appreciate that if you enjoyed this. Sam said he enjoyed the, the, the podcast. We hope you will have other people you know who would enjoy it too. But in the meantime, I would ask everybody to please be safe and be kind.